You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I hope that I can continue to inspire the next generation because uh, there's no need. Like, there's no need to remain quiet. There's no need to stay silent. There's no need to walk in all, you know, meek and like quiet. No, take your space, create that space for you and be proud and own it and walk into a room with it. Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. Today, I would like to welcome our guest, Director of Membership Services and Professional Development at the Broadway League, Diana Moran McQuill. Diana is an an alum of the Adelphi University in New York City with over six years of experience working in arts administration. Welcome, Diana. Thanks so much for inviting me. It is such an honor and privilege to be here. Yay. Yay. So for those of you who don't know, okay, what is the director of membership services and professional development? Can you kind of give a summary of what your role is? Sure. So as a director of membership services at the Broadway League, I oversee a lot of our membership initiatives and programs, as well as the application process uh, for joining the Broadway League. So we have different categories of membership, each tied to a specific service or an area of expertise for the individual. And so as director, I oversee and vet all of the applications that come in with the help of the membership committee. And so there is a membership membership chair and we meet every month to review uh, and make sure that people are fulfilling the requirements necessary for that specific category. So right now we have over 750 members and we are seeing those numbers grow. So uh, in my day-to-day, I am dealing with a lot of prospective and interested people in applying or people who um, want to learn more about what the Broadway League and how to get in, what the Broadway League is and how to get involved. And then as soon as members officially joined and are approved, I get to meet with them um, one-on-one and talk about possible committee or task force involvement, what are they interested in, what do they want to learn more of, and then serve as liaison for connecting them with the respective departments. So just a little bit of what we do in addition to the professional development side, which is all of the conferences and and forums and different services or programs we offer 
existing members and their staff. So there's a lot of conference planning. Um, we host between the, well, in the membership department, we host three different forums throughout the year, uh, in addition to the two major industry conferences where people get to network, mingle, some of them get to see shows and different things like that. So membership, what is, what, what are the type of members that, that we have? Like who would be a member of the Broadway League? So basically, a uh, short answer is anyone involved with commercial theater in some sort of way. We have the um, go-tos, which are obviously the, the well-known members, which are the producers, general managers, theater owners, operators, booking agents. But then we also have a lot of the affiliate type of members, so people affiliated with the industry in some sort of way. We have the marketing agencies, we have the press teams. They are also members of the league in addition to um, trucking companies or suppliers that take the different shows um, throughout the road. So they are also members. So anyone who is involved in some sort of way with commercial theater is basically eligible for membership at the league. So Diana, there is, um, there's one level of membership that you and I get to work together on. And I think it started maybe about almost three years ago and, and within your department, from your department, and it's the Broadway League Fellowship program. And I think it's something that would interest our listeners. Can you talk a little bit about that and why the, why you all saw the need to, um, to develop this? Sure. And it's, it's a growing program. So you are correct that we are about to induct the third cohort um, of members this coming in the next week or so. So the fellow member category actually stemmed out a conversation started during the pandemic, where um, our president, Charlotte St. Martin, our membership chair, David Stone, um, and I were able to chat with a couple of prospective members at the time that were interested in joining the league, but there were conversations surrounding the barriers to entry. So we all know Broadway is expensive and Broadway is becoming more expensive. And part of membership is that obviously with a membership, there are fees associated with each category. Um, long story short, it is a barrier to entry for a lot of people who might not be in the right financial position to remit annual dues, especially at the associate level. So we had this conversation, we were talking about the financial barrier to entry within the Broadway League, and out of that, it was birthed this, this new category of membership. So it's not just a fellow program, it's a category of membership itself within the League that is available to all emerging professionals, whether they are producers, general managers, booking agents, or in the operations, they are eligible to apply for this two-year program or membership category. The category comes with the, all of the benefits of associate membership, which is one of our categories of membership, and all of the benefits afforded with that, except for the remittance of annual dues. So it's a great program to get the foot inside the Broadway League door, start the networking and the connections and building those relationships that it will eventually take these emerging producers, co-producers, general managers to the next level in becoming lead producers or lead GMs. And we have had a, a great, um, I want to say we've had a great journey. So our first a cohort that was ever inducted back in 2021 um, just completed their two-year 
commitment to the program and um, have actually, some of them have even moved up to full membership, which is the Tony voting status. Others are now about to become lead producers in their, like in shows this fall. So definitely the connection and the importance of um, building that program was was crucial and now we are seeing the fruit of that labor right. from two years ago and we're thrilled i mean it's it's working it's slowly starting to move the needle but i think that's exactly what it was intended to do and we are slowly getting there but we're we're really excited we're about to induct the third class or the third cohort um this fall and applications are getting tougher <laughs> um, because people are really committed and people are already so invested in the um, in the industry already so it's not for entry level mm -hmm. I do want to I do want to clarify it's not for entry level applicants or like it's for people who are already in the industry that want to continue to evolve to grow uh, whatever it is they're doing and to continue to build those relationships and this program targets you know people of color. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, yes, yeah. because uh, unfortunately, with the find a lot of the associations of financial burdens and those barriers to entry are, you know, mm -hmm. associated with BIPOC. Our intention was for this to be a part of a, a EDI program, um, but because it is so focused on membership itself, like mm -hmm. that, that's what we're that's what we're striving for. Right. Exactly, and it helps us to diversify the membership base. It helps us to diversify the producers. I mean, the one individual who was in your first cohort, who was also a guest in our second season, Rashad, you know, now has a Tony. And, exactly. And the another individual who, what, uh, Sammy has something coming out on this season as a lead, as a lead producer, lead producer. Uh, How to Dance in Ohio. So with Sammy Lopez. So we are diversifying the membership base, diversifying the producers, uh, and hence diversifying the works that are, um, that are put out on Broadway. Yeah, and, and amplifying those voices at the table, Janine. I think that little by little, um, so part of another benefit of, of being a fellow member of the league is that you get to serve on committees and task forces. And for a really long time, um, I want to say we kind of, the league, and I think a lot of our leadership will agree, is we kind of lived in these silos. And little by little, we are starting to see those silos fall down, break apart. And um, the emerging voices at the table, always bringing a fresh perspective, always bringing new ideas, is so crucial now to this industry post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I am so thrilled that I'm able to be a part of it and able to see it grow and um, eager to continue to make it bigger and evolve even further. Yeah, I'm excited to see the next cohort because I'm just like, ah, we, we've had some amazing, amazing individuals. And this is this is just such a wonderful program that I that I'm glad we can, you know, shed light on that. You know, so speaking of just of not just diversifying Broadway, you know, from the producer side or the business side, can you talk about what 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 made you like, you know what? I think I really want to do this because you were also a part of a, a program uh, through the league as an intern. Yeah. So um, my history with the league actually begins back in high school. So I went to a performing arts high school here in the city and always went to public school. So thank God for public school, because that is how I was introduced to theater. 
And I remember being in elementary school, fourth, fifth grade, and we got to see Fiddler on the Roof when it was at the Minskoff. We got to see a lot of different shows. Um, and that's how I was introduced and I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, but a little bit of my background. So I went to a performing arts high school, but I was involved with the, I wasn't even involved with like acting or all any of that. I was a um, musician. So I grew up playing the cello and the violin, uh, was classically trained for almost all of elementary and middle school. And when it came to time for high school, I auditioned for all of these specialized um, high schools here in the city and I did not get in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was that. Um, but I found this high school in 14th Street Union Square, uh, what is now known as the Washington Irving campus was the Washington Irving High School back then. And um, I auditioned for their band and I got in. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this performing arts. Okay. That's fine. Um, flat, like a few months, uh, forward or, or, or starting in high school, I actually realized it was a jazz band and I was classically trained and I never actually made the transition. It was just like my, I remember my, um, my music teacher would just say, Oh yeah, come on, just, you know, do a little solo, do a little riff. And I was like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. I need to see the like the sheet music in front of me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, God bless his soul. He had a lot of patience with me, but I never fully made the transition. So I dropped out of the jazz band and I had to find this sort of new major. Mm -hmm. um, so so that I could continue the performing arts side of stuff. And I was introduced to stage management. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, we put on some pretty amazing shows while in high school. We did Sweet Charity. Wow. We did Hair. We did Once on This Island. And then we wrapped up what was my senior year with Nine. Wow. Um, I was not, I did not invite my parents to, to Nine. Because, um, <laughs> Why not? I, so, so... <laughs> I made a deal with the musical theater teacher and um, she said, you always do stage management. You're really good at it. But I think for closing out your high school years, you actually you actually have to be in the show in some sort of way. And I agreed to it. So I, I was I ended up being cast as part of the ensemble in nine. And um, that included wearing a leotard and fishnet stockings mm -hmm. and on stage and dancing and doing all of the stuff. And I was like, um, I'm not bringing my parents to see this. And I did not. <laughs> I brought all of my friends and my siblings, but I did not bring my parents to see me in that show. Um, but it was my introduction to everything that is, um, you know, that is Broadway. Uh, I mean, it furthered my education into everything that is Broadway. I've been and sort of involved and learned all about the stage management and shadowing. And so while in high school, there was another program that allowed you to connect with um, the commercial theater industry or sector. And that's how I was introduced to the Broadway League. I got to shadow um, Rachel Reiner when she was in the membership department wow. and a few others. So and um, Ed Sandler, who was the head of membership at that time. And what came out of that is I always stayed connected. Um, I walked into the league office as a high schooler and I was like, this is so amazing. Like, this is the admin side of stuff. This is what I like. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on the spotlight. I don't need to, you know, mm -hmm. be on stage. And being introduced to that administrative side just sort of sparked something in me. Um, always kept in touch with Rachel afterwards. Would she would check in, I would respond. Um, and when I was wrapping up undergrad at Adelphi, I needed one more internship to to complete out my um, 
my semester and I reached back out to Rachel and she's like, you know, we're in the process of interviewing. Um, you know, it's kind of late to send an application, but do it now. Send it to me today. And I scrambled. I got my resume together, cover letter, and I sent it in. And the very next day I interviewed with um, the membership department for that for that internship. And I and I got it for the spring. Um, and I, for me, it was all about those connections and those relationships. And had I not uh, had that, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have ever gotten the undergrad internship and then eventually got in the full-time job. So for me, the introduction to that in high school was so was left such an impact and that's what actually kind of led me to pursue business admin and um, that's where I started to get involved with HR and right out of college I ended up getting a job in um, in an a uh, construction firm and I was doing administration <laughs> and HR. and OSHA compliance and like filing all of that paperwork. And um, I got a call from Ed, like they had just offered me my full-time position. I negotiated a salary. And then two weeks later, I got a call from Ed Sandler. He said, there's a position opening. It's yours if you want it. No interview, no nothing. And I I, I took it. I couldn't even give a two weeks notice at the construction firm. I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is where I belong. And I haven't looked back since. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you and I have had many conversations. And I knew you came as an intern. You know, you you, you came from being an intern and, and, and got here. But I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah. Oh I mean, looking gosh. back, I'm just like, oh, my God, everything truly happens for a reason. Yes. And, you know, um, but I think it, it's just it's amazing. I mean, I, for me, that, that's the biggest thing. Relationship building yeah. is making sure those connections remain like not, you know, um, mm-hmm. not weak in those relationships, but always maintain them with life. Give them like checking in with people. How are you doing? That was always really important to me. And um, even in the membership department, uh, there are a lot of customer service skills that are needed and it's just you know I'm a people person so Mm -hmm. I was just like okay this is the perfect trip for me and seeing how everything has sort of fallen into uh into alignment has been so fulfilling and gratifying yay this podcast is sponsored by cloud optimizer as a business owner or it manager are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why it's time for cloud optimizer as you migrate your business to the cloud what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. So, question, you know, as a a person of color, as an Afro-Latino woman, uh, what was it like, you know, going through through this industry from, well, even from like high school, because, you know, my daughter attends a performing arts school. I look at the kids there. She doesn't see a lot of folks who, you know, who look like her. And part of why the fellowship member level was created was also, you know, to help to 
to to to build a more inclusive environment. How have you found navigating these spaces as a, as an Afro Latina? Uh, you know something. In the very beginning, there's a lot of intimidation, and in the very beginning, you're like wow, no one looks like me here. Um, no one you know, can really understand where I'm coming from. Through relationships, through mentorships, through other people who are have broken the barriers for a lot of the Afro-Latina uh, women to emerge mm-hmm. into the workforce, um, listening to them and being inspired by them is what has built up my confidence through the years. Uh, just even like the hair situation, like growing up, I have I have really curly hair and growing up it was like oh you had to get it blown out every weekend so that you had straight hair through mm-hmm. the rest of the week and like that was something that was so uh culturally rooted in us and now I mean well I actually blew out my hair for like for a little thing <laughs> um just a few days ago but now um it's, I'm so proud to wear my curls. I'm so proud to like show who I am and walk into a space and walk into a room and not be afraid and and be confident. And um, and it's in the beginning it was rough for me. In the beginning I was intimidated and I was a little scared. But um, being inspired mm-hmm. to showcase who I am and to show the world that I can bring as great ideas as any other person can or Mm -hmm. any other man or woman can um, that has really um, allowed me to speak up and allowed me to make my presence known in a room and I hope that I can continue to inspire the next generation because uh, there's no need like there's no need to remain quiet there's no need to stay silent there's no need to walk in all you know Mm -hmm. meek and like no take your space create that space for you and be proud and own it and walk into a room with it so absolutely who so you mentioned like mentors and and people in your life who have helped who've helped guide you is there anyone that you that you think of that had the most profound impact whether in this industry or not you know who helped you to be secure in who you are and help you to show up as your authentic self, you know, every day. You know something? So I know everyone usually speaks about their mom. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I will say not related to the, to the workforce or to the industry, but my mom has always been my number one. Yeah. So my mom has always been, she was a stay at home mom. So she had to make some sacrifices pretty early on when she had us um, to choose not to continue her education and then not, you know, to not even work so that she could raise us because, you know, raising three kids in New York city is kind of crazy, Um, especially in the nineties. And, um, and there was an agreement that they made, my, my parents made, and my father was like, you know what, don't worry about it. You take care of the kids. The, like daycare was insane. Um, and my mom didn't trust anyone. Right. So that was yeah. yeah. leaving her kids with anyone. Um, but seeing the sacrifices that she made for us really early on inspired me because there was always a notion of everything that I do, I'm going to do for you. And I don't want to let you down. And I feel like I've carried that with me throughout my entire life, being the first, um, first generation American to go to college and get a college education. So there was a lot of that growing up. There was a lot of, um, 
translating documents for my parents because I'm bilingual and my parents didn't know English at the time or were learning it and, you know, coming back with official school documents and having to tell my mom what to fill in and what to write. So, so growing up, there was always that sense of responsibility, but I was so inspired by her Mm -hmm. to always be the best that I could and, and really be proud of who I am. So my mom on, on my mom's side, she is from Colombia, but she is Afro Latina. She doesn't have my hair. And I remember like growing up, like seeing, uh, seeing the way she had to go relax her hair, seeing all of the sacrifices or little things that she was doing to sort of fit in. I was just like, "Mm, you're inspiring. Like I told her, you inspire me to break that box. Mm. You know, you are inspiring me to break that, to break that sort of generational. Right. Yeah. you know, rooted thing that has, you know, been sewn into us. Um, And then on my father's side, my father is Mexican, but my father is very like he's half um, Mayan Mm -hmm. or Aztec. So there is the native or the Indian um, uh indigenous side of that. And um, my father, fair man, very black straight hair. So two very different cultures that I was surrounded and grew up in. But learning to create an identity out of that um, is what really, you know, inspired me. And and that's what I look to my mom for. And then going back to um, the commercial theater industry and seeing how uh, I know everyone usually talks about Nina Lan and the first chair who was a woman um, of the league and seeing so many other emerging professionals. Um, and now I, I'm inspired by them, not only as women, but also as moms. Um, yeah. There's some, something to be said about the moms that are emerging in the industry and the sacrifices a lot of us have to make, including yourself, Janine. But it, we're doing it to inspire that that next generation. Um, somebody else I'll, I will also quickly mention is Christina Christina Selby. So I met Christina while I was in high school and I was introduced to the league because she worked at the league at the time. Okay. I just remember seeing her in the office. I was like, oh my God, there's somebody else um, of color here. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I, that's, that was like one of the first impressions um, and a very good impression and seeing how she has emerged into leadership roles over the last few years has just been so inspiring and you know being surrounded by so many other fearless women um who are leaders lauren reed amy jacobs um nina esman marcia goldberg again uh oh maggie braun so yeah, women yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah, in this in this industry who are leaders and are also moms i was really inspired also by charlotte st martin so charlotte was at the league when i was first when i came in as a high schooler and to see how she has taken the industry and how she has grown the industry through her leadership and um, her charge she is fearless she is a go-getter and i'm truly inspired especially post-pandemic or throughout the pandemic to see everything that was going on um and only only she could do it. I just I have no idea how she did it, but she did it and we are back. And hopefully, you know, there'll be no more pandemics because oh my gosh, I can't I'm knocking on oh. everything right now. So you attended Adelphi University, you studied business administration. How do you feel that supported you into your current role? How do you use what you learned there? Um, to inform you now? So being a business major or uh, business admin and management major, you get introduced to a lot of organizational aspects about how to manage a company and how to manage a business. But I think I have to say my selective courses within my 
business degree were the ones that really um, really left a mark. And and I'll say this: so there was um, there was a business course that I took, spirituality and business, mm. which I had never ever like seen an association with, but it was spiritual practices in like everyday business and what different types of um, religions do or different principles that they apply to how they, you know, everything in Asia is a little different to how we do things here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but being introduced to that sort of led me to my own way of um, identifying business practices or what it is I wanted to do or how I wanted to do things. And I think within the membership department, I've been allowed to be able to sort of work with all of those different elements. And another another course that really, um, truly, I, I want to say this is, this is the direct correlation, mm-hmm. but the other course was organizational behavior. And seeing how or learning how different people behave within a business sphere or within a business diagram has sort of really, um, I've been able to directly apply that to the membership department because a lot of our members work in different ways. A lot of them communicate in different ways. And so being able to pull those principles or those takeaways from those courses, I've been able to sort of, A, navigate my relationship with different types of members. Um, there are multiple personalities and it's, it's to be said about any any business or any industry, there are different personalities involved. And being able to work with each type of personality in an um, amicable and passive, like, you know, mm-hmm. in a very peaceful way is really important to me. Um, I don't think we're out to get anyone for being the way they are. No, but there are ways to working with people. And I think those two courses really helped me lay the foundation and, and identify within myself how it is I work with people mm-hmm. and being in the membership department, that's something I apply on a daily basis. Um, I was not an accountant. I hated accounting. I will say that I am not a math or a number person. So when it comes time, and I know that we also struggle with <laughs> within our uh, internally, but when it comes time to budgets, and I'm like, oh, but but it gets done because I know, you know, I know the principles and I know the foundation. So, um, but yes, numbers are are not my forte, but um, but we get it done. Hey, we do what we have to do, right? <laughs> we do what we have to do. So, Diana, our our final question that we ask every guest is what is one piece of advice you like to share with the black future leaders of Broadway? Check all that apply. And um, I'll explain. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I was giving this some thought and I remember, you know, when it came time to fill out applications or now that I'm in the process of filling out my son's school stuff. Um, but my college application, I remember there's always this box of check all that apply, whether you are black or Latino, like it's very confusing sometimes when you think about ethnicity and then you think about identity Mm -hmm. and then uh, it's a million boxes. But in the end, I've learned that I just check all of what I am. And, And I think that it's important to own that. I think that it's important that if you identify as BIPOC, you check everything that applies because you are the only person who is capable of owning those boxes of owning that space. And I, that is my one, you know, my one piece of recommendation, um, own your identity, create that space for yourself and don't be afraid to take up space. Um, something I've learned just about posture recently is 
emerging leaders, they they take up their space. They they put the you know they're no, nobody's sitting in a corner like this, like hunched over and you know, uh, no leaders take up their space and emerging leaders should take up the space. Women need to take up their space. Mm-hmm. Moms need to take up their space. And you know help you know we take up a lot of space when it comes to the kids, but owning that space, it is yours. It is a safe space. It's what you create, and you check all that apply. And nobody is going to tell you different. Nobody should tell you different. Um, so that is my one piece of recommendation. Own your space, check all that apply and go for it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Diana. I want to thank our guests and you, our listeners. You could have been doing anything else, but you chose to spend your time with me and I am grateful. Be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm slash bbb so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.